As a community, First Baptist Belton exists for the purpose of knowing Jesus intimately, serving Jesus passionately, and sharing Jesus globally. Come join us on Sundays at one of our worship services at 8.30 or 11, and for Bible study at 9.45. We hope today's message encourages and strengthens your faith in God. We are triply blessed today to have Dr. Heath Peliquin preaching for us. Many of you were here when Heath was on our staff. He was a student at the University of Mary Hardin-Baylor, and while a student was an intern here at our church, uh, after graduating, went on to seminary, and uh, then we were able to get, he did revival work, and we were able to get Heath to come back here to serve on our staff And he was our college and missions minister when those two positions were one and did an incredible job leading us. Not only that, but I don't have the chronology right on this, Heath, but when Larry Putman retired and we hadn't found Gary Bledsoe yet, Heath was our minister of music. And uh, when when Heath was here as an intern, leading our music and missions and college, whatever capacity, we all loved Heath, and he was an incredible blessing to our church. He is currently the pastor of Summer Mill Baptist Church in Shreveport, Louisiana. And what a blessing he is, I know, to our brothers and sisters in Shreveport. And so, Heath, we love you. His wife, Jenny, is uh, with him. She'll be at the second service. They have four children, the oldest of whom will be graduating in a few weeks, months, a few months from the University of Mary Hardin-Baylor. And uh, then the other, the other three are still at home. And what a, wow, we just, it's just great to see you. I, I hadn't seen you in a long time. And because of baptism, I had a chance to visit yet. So really, if y'all would give us about five minutes, Heath and I just need to talk. And then we'll be back with you. Seriously, though, I want to lead us in prayer. And then Heath Pelican will preach for us. And thank you, brother, for coming. Father, thank you for this absolutely incredible day that you have given to us as we conclude our six weeks of emphasis on global missions. And Father, it has been a sweet six weeks. You have spoken to us, you have challenged us, you have encouraged us in missions. And so Father, I pray your blessing upon Heath as he preaches for us this morning. Father, that you would speak through him to our hearts And Father, I pray that as he issues that final challenge of these six weeks, that you would challenge us to do our very best for the Savior in sharing the gospel in Belton and Bell County, in Texas, the United States, and to the ends of the earth. Thank you for the sense of your presence in this room. Thank you for the sense of your power in this place. And we know that as you have called us to the ends of the earth, You are with us every step of the way. We are a grateful people. We are a thankful people. Thank you for your mercy, your grace, and your love. Now speak through your servant Heath to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Dr. Davis. I want you all to know it's a joy to be with you this morning. Dr. Gish, thank you for the privilege of being here today. Church family, I love you. I am a product of you as a college student being called to be a a part of you as an intern, uh, then to graduate, come back and to be a part of you on staff, and then to return again years later and to sit here. And Gary, you hadn't missed a beat. 
absolutely had missed a beat. I lost both shoes in the middle of Bobby's special up here. It's unbelievable. And it's so good, refreshing to be back and be among God's people. And your emphasis, your emphasis, this is so good. God is a mission-sending God. He is all about missions. He always has been. He always will be. And First Baptist Belton, you are and continue to be a mission-sending, mission-giving church. You lead in that way, and I just want to encourage you to continue to be. By the way, I'm Heath. I'm glad to be back with you. If you don't know me, I'm easy to know. I do live in Shreveport, Louisiana currently, where this past week I did a funeral in which we ended the funeral with When the Saints Go Marching In. Yes, that really happened. I am a two-time graduate of the University of Mary Harm Baylor. I love my university. I love, that's where I met my wife. That's where my oldest daughter attends. I love this area. I love what God does here in a very special way. And I am simply here to remind you of a couple of things that you are already doing today. So if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in Acts chapter 16. And as you're turning to Acts chapter 16, I just simply want to ask you, what happens when we're obedient to Jesus? What happens when we are obedient to Jesus? Your agape singers, which I had the opportunity to lead on a trip several years ago when I was here, we were awaiting Gary to come. I had a chance to lead them on a trip to New Orleans, but you came to Shreveport and you worked at our church this past summer and we were so grateful to have you. And anytime you feel like you want to come back, we want to welcome you. As a matter of fact, my, uh, uh, one of one of our staff members walked up to me. Matter of fact, several said we've never had a group work this hard, and so you have a very good track record. I knew you would. I told them that they were like, "Hey, First Baptist Belton wants to come. What do you want to do?" I said, "Yes, when and where? Tell me when and where." And so when you came, you left something with us, and I just want you to know that you have left a part of your mission experience with us. And if we have that, I want to show what you left with us in my parking space at work. And if we have that, maybe they can show it. If not, I will tell you what it is. If they can show it. If you can, yes, no, no, okay. Let me tell you what it is, okay? So we took a power washer, and on the power washer, you power washed in my 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 parking space, FBC was here. <laughs> Thank you, Carrie Leach. Appreciate that. Anyway, you were there. You are there. And that's what missions looks like. Acts chapter 16 talks about missional obedience. It's an important part of the church. I want us to look together beginning in verse 6. This is a passage that will not be unknown to you. And it's one that the Apostle Paul was forever changed by. The Bible says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mycenae, 
they went down to Troas and by a vision appeared to Paul and not by night. And a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Simothrace and following that day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. We remained in the city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together, and one who heard of us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after she was baptized, her and her household as well, she urged us, saying, if you had judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay, and she prevailed upon us. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us to see the significance of this meeting And Lord, how this meeting catapults into other conversations. And Lord, that's what missions looks like. And so Lord, I pray that we would leave here with a greater understanding of a greater greater vision of missions. And Lord, I pray that we would understand every person has a part to play. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I have basically just three points I want to leave with you this morning. Just three things I want to encourage your hearts by. I simply stopped by today to say thank you in three separate ways. These are three ways that have challenged my heart, three ways from this passage that have changed my life, and I'll leave them with you today. The first one is this. For those of you that are note takers like me, because I do have ADD and can chase many squirrels, I'll leave this first point with you. Sometimes God says no to put you where he wants you to go. Sometimes... God says no to put you where he wants you to go. I went to the University of Mary Hardin Baylor in 1992 to get a Bachelor of Music degree in church music. Why? Because I did not have to take math. Simple. Bobby Johnson came and met with me and said, why do you want to be a music major? I said, I want the one with past of least resistance. I'm French. Cajon. I don't want to take math. He said, church music didn't have any math. Done. You think I'm kidding. Ask him. I have a bachelor of music degree in church music. Do you know how to play the piano? No. Thank God for Ms. Glenda Bundick, who was patient and kind. With a young man from East Texas who could barely speak English, much less East Texan. God sometimes puts you... He says no to put you where he wants you to go. Notice what the Bible says in verse six. They were they went throughout Phrygia and Galatia. But look at this. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Paul wanted to go to Asia. His heart was in Asia, church. He wanted to go somewhere. And God said no. Matter of fact, I love how Luke really personifies this. Luke really brings us out. Look at verse seven. And when they had come up to Mycenae, look at this. Paul was so stubborn. He's kind of like me. 
I want to go there. So God said, no, here. So let's let's try Mycia. Look at what he says. They attempted to go into Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Notice that Paul uses two terms. The Holy Spirit said no. He said the spirit of Jesus said no. Basically, what Luke is saying is he's putting an emphasis on the fact that God has said no. Church, sometimes God may say no, so he may put you where he wants you to go. God is not being mean. God is being God. What is God saying, First Belton? He's saying, I've got something I want you to do. Notice the emphasis. God is saying what I want you to do. I wanted to be a minister of music. When I was 13 years old, my grandfather said, you've surrendered to ministry. I want to talk to you about when you preach. I sat and listened patiently and kindly because that was my grandfather. But I had no desire to preach the gospel at all. Matter of fact, at one point in the conversation, I said, Paul, when you mean when I'm a music minister, he just smiled gently and said, when you preach the gospel and smiled back. And here I am. Matter of fact, it's interesting. And this is a little side note, because you're a church that loves me. That your youth minister. Les was actually at the D now that I was speaking at for his Student pastor in Dickinson, Texas, who's a friend of Jason and I's, where God called me to preach as a music major at Mary Harden Baylor. Isn't God interesting that God will send us where he wants us to go even when we say no? So this passage has been lived out in my life. Second point I want you to see happens in verses 9 and 10. Sometimes God puts you in a place he wants you to love a people you have never met. Look at verse 9 and 10. He says, and a vision appeared to Paul at night and a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over here to Macedonia and help us. Paul had no desire to go to Macedonia. Paul wanted to go to Asia. Paul had no desire to go to Philippi. Paul wanted to go to Bithynia and he wanted to go to Mathasia. He wanted to go somewhere else. And look at this. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. What vision has God given you? What has God shown you? You have many ways to do that. Oftentimes we think of missions. We think of how we're going to be a part of what it means to be a part of Southern Baptist life. What does it mean to give through Lottie Moon or Annie Armstrong? And we ought to always do that. We ought to do that to the best of our abilities or maybe through our state offerings or maybe through our associational offerings or but what about through our through our local offerings? What, what does that look like through our community? What does it look like through what our church is asking us to be a part of? Or specifically, like what your Agape Singers did this summer. That's missions. And you're part of that. Your heart beat through it. You're, you're a church where the missions threads runs through who you are. I want you to know I take you with you wherever I go. I had the privilege for eight years to serve on the North American Mission Board of Trustees. I was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I was sitting in a church much like this. And a gentleman had stood up who had been homeless on the streets of Philadelphia. And he had just recently gotten saved. And he was so passionately talking about Jesus and talking about how nobody loved him and nobody knew him. And all of a sudden, this lady, Annie Armstrong, showed up. Literally, his words. And I sat there and I thought, really? Pastor Andy's not been around in a while. And he began to just plead and talk about how good Annie was to him. And I'm like, wow. 
And I'll never forget what he said next, church family. He says, and if, and if somebody will tell me how to get a hold of Annie Armstrong, I want to give her a hug. Because she saved my life. She told me about Jesus. You know what a room full of Southern Baptist pastors did? This is what we did. We all smiled and nodded. Because you know what? Annie is alive and well through every Southern Baptist church that gives to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, which is coming up. We didn't say a word. Because Jesus Christ is being glorified through that. And Jesus Christ is changing lives through that. Why? Because God is still loving people. Sometimes God puts us in a place He wants us to love a people we've never met. So when you, through a vision of giving, still say, I am going to give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering like never before, God uses that in a way we've never even uh, dreamed or imagined. To start and plant churches all around North America. You may not know this, but one of the scariest places starting to experience revival Places in the northeast and northwest that had never seen revival. Places in Canada that had never seen revival. Montreal, Canada, to be exact. God is moving. Come over and help us. Come over and help us. And Paul said immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel. You know, there's a compelling thought of immediacy that happens, church family, when we decide to step out in faith and do what God says to do. Sometimes God puts us in a place he wants us to love a people we've never met. When I first moved to Corpus Christi, Texas, I lived in a neighborhood and I didn't know very well. I began to pray for them. I began to pray for my neighborhood and I... I was, I was not brave enough to walk my neighborhood yet, so I did what was called, you know, drive by praying. You ever done that before? I would just drive by and pray in my minivan. We're now out of the minivan stage, but we had a minivan and we'd drive around. I'll never forget, I got a phone call one day. I was in a staff meeting and I got a phone call from my next door neighbor. His name is Jason and he said, I need you to come right now. I need you to come home right now. Something's happened. I thought something had happened to my wife. He was my next door neighbor. Jump in my car with my student pastor. We take off home. We get there. Literally, somebody had driven over the mailbox next door and driven over the back fence and literally was in someone's backyard. So I race over and Jason's like, man, he's pacing in my driveway. He said, where have you been? I said, well, I've been at the church, Jason. I've been at work. He goes, why were you not here? I said, I've been at work, Jason. I work at the church. I'm trying to get him to make that connection that I get up and go to work every day like you do. And he says, we needed you here. And I said, well, I'm here now. He says, but you're our neighborhood pastor. We needed you here. And immediately, church, the Lord says, I've heard your prayer. Sometimes the Lord wants to do something in us. And sometimes he has a way of showing us just that. Come and help us, Paul. Come and help us. So he sets out. And he takes off. Sets sail to Troas. Makes a direct voyage. According to verse 11, it says, setting sail. They go through Samothrace and following a day to Neapolis. And of course, if you know Dr. Luke, he is so detailed. And from there to Philippi, the leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And here we're going to start to see unfolding before our very eyes the city of Philippi, a place that the Apostle Paul would grow to love dearly. And he remained in the city several days and began to look for a place of prayer. And ran into a lady named Lydia. And so the third part I want to leave with you today is this. Sometimes God calls us out in obedience to set in motion 
a chain of events that will change the world. You said, oh, come on, Heath, that's, aren't you using a bit of hyperbole? I mean, really, aren't you, aren't you kind of going overboard? Well, I just want to read this to you and then I want to just give you a fast forward, if I may, and I'll be quick. But in verse 14, Paul encounters Lydia says one who had heard of a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul was saying, and, and she was saved. She, she was baptized, verse 15 tells us, in her whole household. And she urged us, if you have judged me to be faithful, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So here is a leading citizen of the city of Philippi. Here is a lady of great wealth. Here's a lady of great prestige. Here's a lady of great influence. Here's a lady of great favor. Here's a lady who can God can use in a mighty way. So here's the trajectory of missions and ministry. Here's where it goes when you and I put our yes on the table. You and I put our card out there today. Here's what it looks like. So they meet with Lydia. Her and her household trust Jesus, verses 11 through 15. Here's what happens next. Then... They run into a, a fortune teller, who a, a young slave girl who is who eventually frustrates the Apostle Paul. So the Apostle Paul casts out the fortune teller. And so Paul and Silas get thrown into prison. And after they are beaten and thrown into prison, and we see that in verses 16 through 24, they are beaten and thrown into prison while they are chained. And as they are in prison, listen, church, they start singing and praising the Lord. I don't know about you, but if I'm in jail, I am not singing and praising the Lord. I'm probably singing something like, nobody knows the trouble I see. I'm just saying. Just being honest. I'm not that spiritual. Nobody knows my sorrow. Anyway, the bottom line is, the Bible says somewhere around midnight, the whole place begins to shake. The prison bars open. The chain, now listen. Okay, so prison bars open. Now that's one thing. The chains fall off. That's a whole other thing. Now, prison bars are, chains are off. Prisoners are open. Now here's where it really gets me if you read the text. Everybody's chains are off. Not just Paul and Silas's. Even the really bad people's are off. Okay, let's just be honest. That's a little wild. That's a little un, that's a little disconcerting. Here's where I'm going with this. The Philippian jailer is about to take his own life. And Paul and Silas go, well, well, we're all here. Look at the man's response. What must I do, sir, to be saved? That's missions. That's the heart of missions. That's what it looks like. Missions in its entirety is that people would come to know Christ. Missions at its very heartbeat is so that they would come to know Christ. So here you have Lydia, who's leading a Bible study and finally meets the one for which she's having a Bible study, missions. Then you have a slave girl who gets set free from a demon. And then and then Paul and Silas gets thrown into prison. They meet a, a Philippian jailer who's just a normal guy working a normal job. He gets saved. They go to his house. The Philippian jailer cleans up their wounds. His whole family gets saved. By the way, can I just say this? Many historians and scholars believe that the Philippian church, which we read about in Philippi, were started by those three groups. Isn't it neat how God does that? Why? Because God said no to Asia and yes to Philippi. But he, God loved Asia too, doesn't he? God loves, God, God knew Paul's heart, right? Yes. By the way, Here's a really cool thing about God. God loved Paul so much that he brought him to Lydia. 
if you remember when he met Lydia, Luke records that Lydia is from Thyatira. And if you know anything about Thyatira in the book of Revelation, chapter one, verse 11, Thyatira is one of the seven churches of Asia. Asia. I'm pretty much for sure she probably went back and told people because that's missions. You see, Paul was obedient to go where God sent him and the gospel goes forth. Here's my point today, and then I'm done. Hey, First Baptist Belton, we're just called to do our part. We're just called to do our part and to do it to the best of our ability. Every week I have a lady that meets me every Wednesday night at our Wednesday night meal. And we have a thing called a compassion ministry at our church where we have people that come in and they get specific items, food items and things from us. And every week we share the gospel with them, much like what you have uh, through your, your ministry here. And I want you to know she and I celebrate every week what God is doing. And I love every time she shares with me, she says, Pastor, someone else got saved today. And we just have a fit right there. And that's missions. Every week somebody tells me, we got another one signed up for our Mexico mission trip, or every week somebody tells me, hey, listen, we're one step closer with our mission, our, our new church plant in Denver, and, and we celebrate. You want to know why? Because we are cultivating missional obedience. You say, why are you celebrating those things? Because we're just now starting where you've already been. You see, you've been there a long, long time. How do you know that, Heath? Well, let me tell you this. In the spring of 1995, in a joint effort between the University of Maryland Baylor and First Baptist Church Belton, a group of students and high school students went to Brazil. And two college students from the University of Maryland Baylor went with a group of high school students from First Baptist Church Belton. And a young man went on that trip and went on his first, get this, on his first overseas out of the country trip ever. And it changed his life. So much so that in his doctoral work, he said, I've got to study missions because my heart was forever changed. So much so that he wanted to get around missionaries as much as he could. So for a while, he even lived a little bit at Hope for the Hungry. Because of a trip he took with a group from First Baptist Church Belton and University of Maryland Baylor. And that was you. And that young college student was me. I don't know why the university chose me. Believe me, they could have chose anybody. There were thousands smarter, tons better looking, and so much more they could articulate well. But I promise you there was no one more humble than me. And I conclude with this story and I'm done. On the plane ride down, I got sinusitis and bronchitis. By the time we landed, I was so sick, they took me to a pharmacy. Now, a pharmacy in Brazil is different than here. You can get stuff down there you could never get here over the counter. I began to take it, but by the time we went to our first night's meeting, I could not talk at all. 
I could not stand. All I could do is sit in a chair and sleep till they woke me up to stand up and do what I was supposed to do, which was sing. Gary, that's all I could do was sing. Church family, I could not say one word that you could hear or understand. And I'll never forget the person I was singing with. She was Miss Mary Harm Baylor, Glenna Roscoe. She would lean over and she'd go, it's time for us to sing. And I would stand up. And here's what would happen. We would sing God loves people more than anything together. And I would sing the higher third of that song, which is pretty high. And I could sing it with perfect pitch and with perfect strength for a tenor. And then I could sit down. Brother Andy, I couldn't say another thing. And the next night, the group, your your students from your high school would pray over me. And I'd stand up the next night. People like Christy Jackson and Kristen Kirkley would stand up and they'd pray over me. I know that's not Kristen's name now. It's Hammond now, but forgive me. I'd stand up the next night. There'd be 5,000 students in a room. We'd pray and I'd sing. So why are you telling us this? Because I learned something that night about missions. When God says yes to something, we do it in his strength, not ours. Here's the point. When I go to give to missions now, and I take my card and my money, I'm now not giving in my strength. I'm not asking, Lord, what do you think I ought to do? I'm saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because it's yours. Because I learned that as a Mary Harden Baylor student in a joint opportunity with this church family. I don't know what your goal is, but I'm praying that the Lord will allow you to meet and exceed that for the glory of God. And I'm praying that you are able to go to more places and serve more places than ever before. Because I believe that you are hearing the heart of God to reaching your city, your state, your nation, and the world. Because nobody loves missions any more than God. God forbidded Paul to go somewhere so he could show the Apostle Paul he was doing something far greater than Paul could ever imagine. I conclude with this. If God desires for you to go, who really could ever tell you no? If God desires for you to go, what else stands in the way? To him who is able, he wrote to the church at Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. To him be the glory in the church. To him. To him. Let's pray. Lord, in just a moment, we are preparing our hearts for the invitation. Lord, my prayer this morning is very simple. Lord, if there's someone in this room that has never trusted Jesus, Lord, I pray that today, that in a moment they would step out from their seat as we sing, as Gary leads us. And then, Lord, I pray that they would come and take... 
Brother Andy, by the hand, say today, I, I need Jesus. That, Lord, they would not be afraid. That they would know that you love them. And that you've called them to yourself. That you care. Lord, I pray that you'd give them great courage. Lord, maybe in this room this morning, you've called someone to missions. Lord, I, I know that you do that. Or maybe you've called someone to the ministry. Lord, I, I've truly experienced that. Lord, I pray that they would have boldness to step out. Well, Lord, I pray in the quietness of this moment, even now that Lord is people all over this room, people I love all over this room, Lord, as they've taken their, their vision 2020 card, Lord, I pray they would fill that out and that they would answer the question, Lord, what am I willing to be obedient in? What is my vision this year? Maybe it's to go on that mission trip you've called them to do. Lord, maybe it's to serve in a ministry you're calling them to serve. Lord, maybe it's to give in a way they've never given before. Maybe, maybe it's to do more. God, I pray that you would give them clarity. Lord, help them to step out in faith. Take away the fear, Lord, and, and show them. God, I pray that they would know that, um, that you're for them. And you will guide them. Lord, for all of us today, Lord, uh, I pray that you would give us opportunities to share. And opportunities to love. That, Lord, today we would be obedient to you. We need you, Lord. I pray that you would even now, Lord, lay in our heart the decision you want us to make. And, Lord, give our feet obedience to respond. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. As we stand to our feet, pastor will be down front. You come right now. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705. If you need prayer or need to talk with someone, we're here to listen, help, and encourage.